0: Welcome into District 1 Sports, Mike and Micah back with you for a recap of the Washington football team falling to the Los Angeles Chargers 20-16. There's so many storylines from this game, it had a lot of twists and turns, a lot of up and downs, it had a lot of mistakes, it had a lot of things to worry about, a lot of things that you should be also pretty excited about the future. But first Micah, before we get into all of that. I just want you to get your initial thought. Actually, no, no, no. Let's not do it this way. We're just gonna do it like this. The defense was terrible. It, there's your thoughts are gonna be the defense was terrible. There was no pass rush. Balaga went out in the second half. Still no pressure on Justin Herbert. They couldn't convert a third down. The secondary was trash. The linebackers are still missing tackles and when you have the same linebacking core but instead of Kevin Pierre-Louis you switch to Jamin Davis that's what happens you have the same exact thing you had last season so I don't even want to start about the offense and Fitzpatrick and Heineke and all that we'll get into Gibson and all of those people later I want to start with the defense here Micah what exactly is it going to take for this defense to actually be a top five defense because I'm at the point where everybody all offseason was saying the only reason why this defense was good was they played the likes of Nick Mullins. Um, ben, when the team wasn't working, uh, wasn't going great. Um, they played Jalen Hurts, and then he was cooking them until they had to put Sunfeld in while the Eagles were trying to tank before they were able to uh, dominate against this team. Uh, Carson Wentz early in the season when they had seven sacks with that abysmal offensive line. And Carson Wentz, who's currently losing uh, his game right now. So... We went, we went and we said, okay, we're going to get better. We're going to draft William Jackson. We're going to draft, uh, we're going to draft, uh, we're going to sign William Jackson. We're going to draft Jamin Davis. We're going to get Camp Crow and Landon Collins on the field together. So many things we tried. And every third down, 14 third downs converted, the most ever conceded in Washington football history. And they weren't able to beat them. They had multiple opportunities, not able to allow the Chargers to score. Yeah, that's great. But this defense was just terrible today, Micah.
1: This defense was absolutely crazy. And just to put it in perspective, the Washington offense actually completed around the same amount of yards per play as the Chargers offense. So, for once, it's not entirely on the offense's lack of production. Actually, when Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt, Taylor Harkey came in and executed the offense better. But you've said it. The only thing—excuse me—not the only thing, but the biggest thing we need to talk about is how bad the defense was and how bad they were in pressure situations, third downs, when as possible scoring that could be, um, you know, put into the table. This defense Chase Young wasn't
0: on the field for the third and seventeen and third and six in the fourth quarter.
1: It was an absolute mismanagement of what a you know, a top defense is supposed to be. This was a terrible, terrible start for them. And it's really inexcusable because the same things that are plaguing them from last year are the same things plaguing them this year. And we talked about it over and over. If this roster is going to be better, you can't expect the same things from the roster if you're supposed to fill these holes. The linebacking play. I mean, Austin Eckler absolutely went off. And, you know, in the scheme of things, yes, he is hurt. But that even makes it worse, in my opinion, the fact that he was able to get off how he did. The linebackers were not playing great in run coverage. The fits were bad. I mean, you mentioned it. Jared Cook had an opportunity to absolutely destroy our linebacking core in the middle of the field. And what did he do? He absolutely destroyed our linebacking core in the middle of the field. I mean, 5 for 56, 11 per catch from a tight end, that's not going to cut it. If you're a team that's supposed to be a great defense— And on the back end, one of my biggest things, yes, the pressure wasn't there today, even though Montez Sweat and uh, John Allen did get sacks, and they did have a lot of pressures today. I will say that uh, Herbert didn't necessarily have the cleanest pocket all day, but for the most part, he had a clean pocket. But what a clean pocket does for a team that doesn't necessarily have the best coverage, it absolutely puts the DBs in the worst spot possible. And you saw the DBs in uh, in the worst spot possible today. Bismuth St. Juice, for your first game, Man, it's really, really hard to go. Be, excuse me, uh, be going against Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I mean, you saw Herbert kind of just toy with J- uh, Saint Juice however he wanted to, and it's not necessarily Saint Juice's fault when there's no pressure and anything like that. But it hurts when nothing else can really be done about it. William Jackson had a decent day. I mean, he showed up, he popped out, he got an interception, he had a couple of pass breakups and stuff like that, but. The Chargers offense did anything they wanted to, and they converted whenever they wanted to. And, I mean, we could talk about how good this defense can be, but if your defense is not good when it matters, then what's the point of all the the hoopla? What's the point of hyping this defense up? The fact that they gave up 14 third-down conversions in a week one game, that's terrible. That's inexcusable. That's how you end up with the first pick next year. That's how you end up in a situation where... Everything that you've been pushing, all this culture stuff goes out of the window when you're that just when you're just that bad. We're going to talk about it more, but the defense absolutely has to step up. In the, uh, in the in the places where they were supposed to step up, the back end, with your linebackers in back, what are y'all doing? Even if the D-line is not getting pressure, you still have an obligation to cover and play the run. And the Chargers did anything they wanted by running the ball and getting the ball outside to the perimeter. So it was just a bad day, but... Man, with another game in four days, you could put, nah. put the worry meter on. You could put the worry meter on because it's a little bit alarming. No,
0: nah, this is this is embarrassing. And there are going to be people that say, well, the Chargers, they were playing a quick game. I understand that. They were playing the quick game and it was hard to get um, pressure up front. But you know we're in the NFL, right? And if a team sees something works against a certain team, every other team runs that. And you know that Justin Herbert is not the best QB we're playing this year. Once Herbert, um, once Herbert is done with, once we're done with Herbert, we have Daniel Jones. Okay. Josh Allen, the Falcons, who were absolutely terrible. Jameis Winston, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, who looked amazing today. So, and Dak twice. So it doesn't get easier. These quarterbacks are going to be able to dominate in the quick pass game. That's not a question at all. They're going to be able to get whatever they want. Linebackers were terrible. Tackling was terrible. John Bossick. so many times. I hate that he's on the field. So many times. The play out of the um plays where the running back or wide receiver is trying to tiptoe out of bounds. Instead of pushing them out of bounds, he lunges, he misses, and they always get an extra six or seven yards. Every single time. And at this point, it's like, what are we doing? Honestly... What are we doing? Chase Young, he had a couple of tackles. uh, I think maybe a half sack. But you got dominated again by Rashawn Slater. He dominated you in Northwestern. You got dominated in week one again. (laughs) Brian Belaga, he was out. I don't even know the name of the backup. Still didn't do anything. Montez Sweat, he got, what, two pressures? Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, nothing. Matt Ioannidis. For me... I give St. Juice the pass. This man is a rookie in his first game, and you want him to guard Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Right. What do you expect to happen?
1: And but and just a quick Kendall little point, Fuller, yeah. He was getting baked
0: all game. I was about to say bait just a all quick game. I was
1: about to say, just a quick point about, you know, that DB situation. Saint Juice actually had when you know, when it wasn't a situation, a precarious situation where he was getting back shouldered or whatever. He had a good game contesting the ball at the highest point. He stopped a Michael, uh, uh, Mike Williams touchdown very early on on a double move. And, I mean, if you're a DB getting played on a double move and you still have the ability to play the ball, that's a great win. But, Kendall Fuller, where were you today? Like, you're supposed to be the guy. You're supposed to be a top ten corner by some, you know, people who, you know, I guess rate players in the league. You're supposed to be a top ten player uh, at your position. And I didn't see anything notable from you. I did see you get beat a lot of times today. So that's something of note. But, I mean, our best players didn't show up when our best players are supposed to. Week one is supposed to be when everything is not, you know, formulated. Everything is not clear. You're still trying to figure it out. But your best players are supposed to absolutely perform in week one, if anything. You saw it from the Chargers. You're seeing it around the league. I mean... What, Justin Herbert had a day today. Keenan Allen looked like Keenan Allen today. Eight-plus catches, 100-plus yards. That's what Keenan Allen does. 100
0: yards. Oh, my goodness. 100 yards.
1: But what the biggest part is is that their playmakers and their superstars are coming to play. And that's how you lead to wins early on in the season because you're not going to have your script down for the middle of the season. You're not even in October yet. This is an extension of the preseason. This is Essentially, this is almost acting as the fourth preseason game. But the stakes are higher now because this is week one football. And you coming out here with preseason energy – During week one football, that's how you get an embarrassing loss, a sloppy loss, when a game should have been won. Let's not make any mistake about it. Washington football team had an absolute chance to win this game when they were up after the first Taylor Heineke drive in the third quarter. This is when you hunker down, you play great defense, and you secure the win. And they absolutely did the opposite of that, and that's why they're 0-1 today.
0: Yeah, this is embarrassing. The defense was absolutely embarrassed. People were talking about this being a top five defense. Mike Greenberg saying how good this defense is. Justin Herbert came in and carved them up, bro. A third and sixteen, with a chance to get the ball back and go and drive to win the game. You don't convert. Then a third and seven after that, you don't convert. Chase Young isn't on the field. What does he need a breather for? Who do you have as a back? If it's Ryan Kerrigan, I wouldn't be happy with it, but I'd be like, okay. But you, who, who's taking it? Shakato uh, He didn't. He's not uh, active. Casey Tua. William Bradley King, that's who you want rushing in the biggest situation for the Washington Football Team. Like, what exactly was Ron thinking? Like, I,
1: yeah, it's it's one of those it's, days.
0: It's one of those days where I don't I didn't come feeling great about this game. If we would have won this game, I would have felt this exact same way too. I just felt like we got lucky with. Um, the Herbert Montez Sweat play that should have been an incomplete pass that they called a fumble. So with those, I was just like, ah, we just got lucky. We have to build on that. But with the loss on top of that and how they lost, oh, it's just terrible. So uh, we went in the defense for a little bit. I want to switch the kicking game. Dustin Hopkins from 30 yards. Cool. From 40, a 52 yarder in the NFL. You can't make. Like, what is, what is he doing on this team, like if he can't make a 52-yarder at this point?
1: You'll probably see a change because we did pick up that kicker and he's on a practice squad now. You'll probably see a change after the uh, after the next game. I mean, look, Hopkins, all that cool stuff within 50 yards is it's great or whatever, but every kicker makes those at a 98% clip and up. But when you get to that 50-plus range, that's the kickers who actually keep long careers and make money and be really successful. Versus the ones that don't end up on teams. And Hopkins, I mean, yes, I'm happy you're not shanking 30 yarders anymore. But when we need a 50 yarder from you, and we need production, and we need you to be a clutch guy, you're still not it. So, you know, that's just something interesting. And speaking of the kick game, while while we're here on the subject, um, Tressway doing his thing, uh, three punts, two inside the 20. This is what he does. He's the top five punter in the league, as usual. But my biggest thing today, and I think a turning point in the game, and something to watch how much does Ron actually believe in these guys? If you're gonna go for it in a similar situation where you're basically plus, um, excuse me, you're plus 50 yard line going into score in the third quarter, you decided, okay, you know what, let's go for it, and you converted it, and it turned out to be actually a drive that did a little bit of something. Versus, in the fourth quarter when it actually matters, and you should be playing with way more desperation and the urgency should be really high. You get complacent, you allow trust to kick it, and then your special teams ace that we signed over guys like Jimmy Moreland gets a dumb penalty. The net (laughs) at the net result is a fourteen yard, like change. Like come on, bro. This is the thing. These are the things really that have held this franchise back since we've been alive. Dumb decisions compounded on dumber decisions. Dumb decisions in the offseason are leading up to the season, leading to stupid decisions on the field, leaving everybody hopeless. These are things that just can't happen anymore. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Ron at coach, it could be Jay Gruden at coach, it could be Shanahan at coach. These are things that are consistently happening to this franchise. And it's still happening today. I mean, I'm not gonna be the guy going with hyperbole here, but you have to see what you take, you have to take what you see. And what we saw was a very Washington football team loss that has been has been the norm for about 15 years now, man. And you just hate to see it because we thought this year would be a little bit different, at least in week one. And it's a lot of the same shit, bro. It's a lot of the same shit. It's sad.
0: With Dustin Hopkins, at this point, you know what you're getting. I had no confidence he was going to make that 50-yarder. No confidence at all. And he just shanked it, and we move on. If you go ahead and make that, you drive on that next possession, the fourth and seven, you go ahead and potentially go for it. If we go for it, we get a field goal, we can win this game. Sure, cool. But you have no faith in Dustin Hopkins. You don't think he, that he could kick further than 50. Instead of maybe drafting a damn long snapper, maybe draft a new kicker wrong. That, just my two cents. Just my two cents. <laughs> Instead of drafting a long snapper, <laughs> let's draft a kicker. Because Nick Sunberger was doing just fine. Bro. Cheeseman did just fine. Still doesn't, still doesn't help the kick where it's going,
1: man. Bro, long snapping is long snapping, but come on, bro. There's so many other needs to actually fill besides a long snapper. Like, come on, bro. It's, it's like I said, certain situations when you make mediocre moves in the offseason, you can make a bunch of great moves, but if you make mediocre moves in places you actually need to fill that are going to be game changers on game day, when the mediocre moves come out, it just highlights the entire operation being bad. And, hey. Bro, I
0: kept, I kept saying This linebacking core is not where it needs to be. It's just not. Like, we don't, we switched uh, Kevin Pierre Louis for Jamin Davis, a rookie who barely got PT at Kentucky, just started playing in his last year. Like, that wasn't going to fix the problems that you had. John Bausick should not be on the field. Cole Holcomb. What do we say in our preview, Michael? Jared Cook. Jared Cook was going to be a big factor. Can we finally stop a tight end? I said Zach Ertz had killed us year after year at the tight end position. And what exactly did they do to Jared Cook? Let's see. Let me go and pull up the stats real quick. Jared Cook was 5 for 56, 11.2 yards average. Uh, His long was 83. Eight targets. (laughs) That's not stopping him. Boy. Keenan Allen, 9 for 100. Mike Williams, Eight yeah, for
1: 82 That's what hurts. Jalen Guyton also had a game. His, his stats might not show up, but he was explosive Three for 49, today. 3-for-49, yeah. He was really explosive and, today.
0: And then Hill put us to sleep. <laughs> he'll put us to sleep, bro. Like,
1: this man, shouldn't be boys. happening, bro.
0: So we let we touched on the defense. Now the offense. First, Sam Cosme Oh, Ooh. my goodness. Ooh. Welcome to the NFL, bro terrible game absolutely terrible he was lunging like again i never want to compare myself to nfl player but i do know how certain players feel in certain moments there were games where you know the dn that you have and you're trying to do anything just to give your quarterback an extra second he was lunging he was trying to cut he was everything he did did not work he kind of settled down in the second half, but we, we did go very run-heavy in that second half, and just a terrible game. He's going to have a terrible P- PFF grade. When I go and watch this game back, it's probably going to look even worse. Um, Charles Leno, rough. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick killed. Yeah. Not a great game for him. Brandon Sheriff, two costly penalties. Just not all pro stuff. You want to get paid. You don't turn a 3rd and 5 into a 3rd and 10. And what was it, 3rd and 2 to 3rd and 7? Yep. So, that was terrible. So, the line wasn't great. Terry McLaurin did everything that he could. But, oh, let me pull these stats back up again. Uh, targets that we gave to our number one receiver or top 100 player. Four targets. Oh, wait. Terry went 4 for 62 when he only had four targets. That's crazy. Look at that. Math. Logan Thomas, three targets, three reception, thirty yards. Mass. Like maybe I, give your guys give your guys more <laughs> more uh more opportunities. Diami had a terrible game. Oh yeah. Absolutely for he was definitely the worst rookie today. What? Four targets, one catch, for negative, negative two. two yards? Yeah. Like, that's that's a disaster. Like, that's not it's not good. He got the PI call, which is Admirable, and that led to a touchdown, uh, or that led to a field goal. But still, the offense was bad, and Ryan Fitzpatrick did not look good. Taylor Heineke, admirable, good. I can't really evaluate the game just because of when he came in and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Ag. <laughs> it's tough because he had a good game, but he also cost them the game. Yep. Uh, Twenty for ninety. Long was twenty-seven. Like. I don't hate it. He he was running like he was a premier back, but yep. the damn fumble. Yeah. Damn, one fumble and just switched the whole game for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, quickly on AG, like, I mean, ended up with 23 touches for over 100, what, See, so yeah, over hundred yards. That's amazing for a guy who they're expecting to be their version of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's exactly how Christian McCaffrey makes his money in the league. But one thing Christian McCaffrey doesn't do is put the rock down, uh, put the ball, put the rock on the floor twice. One of them lost. Like the one joint, if the Chargers would have, if if the Chargers were paying him more attention, they could have recovered that one too. It just went out before one of the Chargers linebackers got on it. But this is one of the things that continue to plague this team. You can have great individual games, but when it matters in the clutch and crunch time, they're making terrible mistakes. And it's just, you know, once again, these are things that have continued to really hurt this team. And it's like, okay when is it going to be a change? And quickly, like really, really quickly on the receiver situation and really just the offense as a whole. One of the things that I was really concerned about was this team and the line play and clearly the line play failed it turned out that that was the biggest part, and that was one of the things that scared me coming into it. But, and we all know this, if you watch football and you understand the game, one of the biggest compounding issues on an offense is bad line play turning into bad play from your skill positions. And I would argue that outside of Diami Brown completely just being terrible today, I don't know what it was. I'll have to watch him closely to see was it just bad conceptual stuff. I mean, the screen had nowhere to go. And he kind of fumbled that screen too, if we're being honest. They called it dead. But outside of Diamond Brown playing terrible, when our actual skill guys were targeted, they made plays. But the offense wasn't working. I mean, the, the offense just wasn't operating on a normalcy. This um, is why standard. you played the
0: preseason, Micah. This is why you get reps during the preseason. This is exactly why you, don't you were playing your Fitzpatri- guys. Fitzpatrick one quarter. Like, is he Aaron Rodgers? He's not. What are we doing here? That I, offense looked terrible. A three and out. So the Chargers came down, walked down on them, and then Washington came in three and out. This is the exact 2020 team, but instead of Dwayne Haskins, we just have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. So it's not Dwayne Haskins and Kyle man. Allen. It's Taylor Heineke and, well, it's going to be Kyle Allen as the backup next week, but yeah. it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Like, Haskins there's would've... no difference between what we saw last year and this year.
1: Haskins would have at least thrown for 250. <laughs> Maybe three picks. But well, three picks, yeah. <laughs> 250, two touchdowns, three picks. We still would have lost, but it would have looked a little bit better. But, no, you're absolutely right. And this is going to be one of the things going forward for Heineke because, I mean, at this point, I don't even care about starting Fitzpatrick. I know it's it's kind of quick to necessarily give up. I'm not necessarily giving up on Fitz, but I've seen enough from Heineke to know that he's going to at least move the offense. And you were, I guess you could – make the case that if you doubled Taylor Heineke's uh, production today, he would have a decent game, which is fine. I'm okay with that. I think Taylor Heineke is a very capable quarterback for this system, and I think one of the biggest things between him and Fitz is that he's just not going to turn over the ball. And when he takes a shot, it's going to be a smart shot. But one of the biggest things for this offense is the rhythm. They have to get into the rhythm. It's been one of Scott Turner's biggest issues as well, establishing a rhythm. If you're going to give A.G. the rock, that's a great way to establish rhythm. But the passes can't be peppered in. When you're doing this, they have to be a true kind of split because what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up alienating your biggest playmakers. Terry McLaurin, he needs forced touches. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been targeted at all in the first half. No reason at all. And the second half, I mean, well, four for 62, all on four targets. Perfect. Same for Logan Thomas. As soon as Taylor Honeke came in, all of a sudden Logan Thomas got touches. Those uh, quick to Catches to kind of lead them down right before they have to kick that field goal was an indication of what you can do with Logan Thomas. Even what Cam Sims had a nice catch today. Adam Humphreys, I mean, I don't necessarily care about his production, but he still caught the ball. There's ways for this offense to be smart and maneuver. I don't think they're ever going to be that big play offense, and that's the one thing that we're missing with Curtis. And one of the biggest worries that I know you had was the fact that what is this offense going to do without one of his home run hitters? Well, today it didn't even matter with the home run hitters. The offense just wasn't prepared schematically to get the ball anywhere until they were forced to. But going forward, this rhythm has to come. If you're going to pepper A.G.'s carries, that's fine. You can give him 20-plus carries. I actually recommend you give him 20-plus carries because he's still fresh and he's still going to be able to make this happen. Also, give him at least five targets in the cast, in the past game. Why not? But Terry McLaurin should be a 10-plus target guy per game. Logan Thomas should be a 10 or 8, you know, the, the 7 to 10 range per game. You guys have Belkow players, top 10 position players for a reason. Put them to you, Scott. Like, forget all the frilly stuff, whatever the case might be. Run a true West Coast with Taylor Heineke because he's really good at timing and getting the ball out and taking the shots. Give the guys the ball on the perimeter and see what happens. The Chargers did it today. Get the ball on the perimeter and let your playmakers go make plays. But right now, it was just a failed uh, scheme on of offense today, and it just didn't help out anybody. And as I know, Taylor Heineke did have to kind of rush in, and he did the best. He did an absolutely
0: amazing job. I don't think Taylor job. even played bad. Like, no, Taylor, Taylor played amazing. Taylor was moving the ball. No, it was Taylor played amazing. He was able to extend plays because he didn't have time in the pocket. Didn't take a sack. Taylor actually was a really good job. Did a really good job. Even that time when the ball was literally in his face and he just threw it out of bounds. Like that was a smart play. It could have been an easy eight-yard loss. So I thought Taylor played a great game. It's weird because like I don't think any of the offensive players, skill players, play bad. Like Terry didn't play bad. Exactly. I, I bet he was open multiple times. Like Logan got his touches, like JD a couple of times in the backfield. And Gibby was good until the fumble. So it's weird to, like, diagnose what was wrong with the offense. But at the same time, it's like, well, the line wasn't great. But also, are we grading that on, like, Joey Bosa, Tillery, and Derwin James? Like, that's a tough way to grade the line. But you have to play who you have. And it's not going to get easier, like we said. The Tampa Bay defense is coming here. Green Bay is great. Saints are great. Like, so it's going to be a lot of tough matchups. And can you handle that?
1: It's just really hard. It's it's just you hope that Scott, I mean, like I said, Taylor Honeck is going to be the starter for at least next week. You hope that going into some of these games where they have tougher defenses, they understand their weaknesses and they get the ball out quicker. I mean, the play action stuff is nice and whatever, and you'll be able to work the play action. in once you establish that uh, Antonio Gibson is going to get 15 plus touches a game, because that's when the defense is going to have to play down and respect his talent a little bit. And since you're using A.G. in pass sets anyway, we saw a great abandonment of J.D. McKissick coming in uh, squarely on pass downs because that was just a day giveaway that they were going to pass. A.G. being able to do both is exactly what they needed. As you mentioned, had a great game outside of the two fumbles. But this offense is going to have to be a perimeter-based offense. It's just what it seems like it's going to have to be because the trench play, it's just not happening. And Yes, the the running, you know, the running yards and stuff like that were great. I mean, they ended up with... To, uh, 126, uh, rushing yards, uh, 4.7 that
0: blocking scheme was amazing. I gotta give it to him. Yeah. That was great. Like, AG had great holes to run through and everything. It's like it's the just run weird. blocking. Like, the run
1: blocking was great, but what the, happened to the pass blocking? The <laughs> pass
0: blocking was, but again, that's where I, I maybe, I do overreact for some things, but with the offensive line, I was like, let me take a step back. We knew a rookie coming into his first game, going up against, like, when Joey Bosa was healthy, Everybody said he's the best defensive player in the league over Nick Bosa. So it's like, okay, a rookie going up against the best defensive player in the league in his first game is going to struggle, especially if you're not giving him help with a running back on his side. So are we going to be like, he's not going to face that next week. He's not going to face that for a couple of weeks uh, playing a top player like that until maybe Shaq Barrett. So it's like, okay, they did struggle. What I worried me more was Leno did not look good either. And mm-hmm. Leno's assignments weren't as crazy as... Um, weren't as crazy as uh, Cosme's were. And this is a thing where it's like, okay, well, everybody was saying we have to upgrade the tackle situation last year. I don't remember a game where Cornelius, or Cornelius Lucas was getting us completely right. decimated. Like, he wasn't killing our quarterback. So, I guess it is what it is and we have to see. And this is only one game, so we can only react to so much. But, man... I was so excited six hours ago like really excited and coming into this game I was like I think Herbert's gonna have a really good game Keenan Allen is a top receiver in this league Mike Williams is only gonna get better and better each year it's like I think their offense is gonna score but it's just the way that they did it where it wasn't big plays that's what I thought we were gonna get beat on like st juice would just get burned on a big play or something and i would have been okay with that truly a 70 yard bomb to keenan allen from justin herbert i am more okay with that than we're going to surgically play by play oh third down no worries oh first down i'm going to get six yards as a running back because the linebacker couldn't fill the hole it's just things like that that were disappointing to me um I do want to talk about some things that I was impressed with, Micah, so that we don't go all negative here. Cam Curl, I know the secondary wasn't great, but there was just a couple of times where he's just flashing over the field. Like, he is there to make plays, and I really do think that he's going to be a big piece of this defense going forward if they're going to be what they're, what they're expected to be. He was just all over the field.
1: I would think Cam Crow would be in the running to make a Pro Bowl this year, just with how he's going to be utilized and the fact that he's going to be around the ball. That's a given. But the fact that even at his size, even with the assignment of him being just a kind of just a toolsy player, he's going to be everywhere on the field. He still makes sure tackles, he's in the right place at the right time. And even if he doesn't necessarily impact the play directly, He's doing something on the back end to where he's cleaning up anything that comes back. If there's going to be a cutback, I can guarantee you that Cam Crow's going to be able to dissect it and come down and make that play. If a running back is trying to stretch the ball outside and trying to hit a hole on a zone scheme, Cam Crow is going to be able to dissect that. He's either going to set the edge or he's going to be able to come in and rip that play. These are things that's going to they're going to absolutely need, especially on the back end. Because, yes, I, I do think the D-line is going to come to play for the rest of the season. Uh, I still do have that for, uh, belief and faith in them. But the biggest thing is... Even if they do or don't, your back end has to be great. And we saw we saw today that sometimes the back end was missing. But when the back end came to play, plays were made. And that's one of the biggest things for him. So if Cam Crow's going to be the person that stands out the most as a safety, that's amazing because one of the biggest things we needed, and yes, I mean, Cam Crow was the bright spot of the safety room last year, but he could take a bigger step. He can be a top-ten player at his position, and I think that's where he's going.
0: So... With that, I made a, another observation, too. I took a couple of notes down. They started with Collins and Curl. Um, the Chargers walked down on them that first drive. What's the first two drives, maybe? Yeah. And then they switched to Curl and McCain, and that's when they got the two quick three and outs. Collins did end up going back in and out, and obviously they weren't really able to stop the Chargers beyond that, whether um, McCann or Collins was in. But... That's something I want to look forward to, seeing the snap percentage. And I'll look at it once I rewatch watch this game over. The snap percentage that Collins played compared to Bobby. Because it felt like they were getting to a point where they were like, oh, okay, they played three safeties at some point. They went two li- uh, two linebackers. They went three linebackers. Nothing really worked on the defense. And if you're supposed to be a defensive guru, I guess you can hold your hat that you didn't give up many touchdowns and the only touchdown you gave was a one-on-one against a rookie with a season uh, NFL wide receiver, but I don't know. Um, Other positives, let's see. Is there anybody else positive, Micah? DeAndre Carter. I mean, mean, DeAndre Carter. Yes, that's what I I want to bring up. Look, I mean, look,
1: the the stats alone, return stats are iffy. You know, they're they're return stats. But, dog, over what, what is this, 76 yards returning today for DeAndre Carter – a longer 31 on kick return, a longer 14 on punt return. This is why DeAndre Carter makes the 53. And this is one of the things we've been missing for a long time, really, since, like, what, Brandon Banks, maybe? A true return specialist?
0: It's I think he's going to gonna return a couple this year, too.
1: Yeah, no, he, the ability, you see it. Like, he has the ability to, first of all, make somebody miss, which is the most important thing in kick return. And hit the gap almost kind of blindly. Kick return and punt return is a little bit insane because you have to be willing to just be like, you know what? There's a gap right there. Let me try it. Dante De'Andre Carter has the speed, athleticism, and talent to go right through that seam and go make a play. I think he's going to be one of the leading returners in the league. And it's not necessarily a situation where, you know, a lot of leading returners are becoming a bad offense. I think he's going to be that talented. And I think they made the right move keeping him on the roster. This is one of the situations where we talked about how mediocre moves in the offseason can lead to bad play on Sunday. Well, great offseason moves and sound moves in a position that you actually need to fill. Turns out great on Sunday. They needed kick return help. Well, they got a designated kick returner who literally wears number one. His only job is a kick return, and it worked today.
0: So I know we're doing positives, but I was just going through. Ron is currently speaking, and both him and John Allen mentioned that they had missed or blown assignments for some defensive issues. Mm. It's week freaking one. You had all offseason to plan for this one team how exactly do you have missed assignments on defense what were you doing during practice like whether it's Jay Gruden whether it's Ron Rivera it doesn't matter it's the same thing over and over again yeah we just have missed assignments we have to go and look at the film and get like is there somebody we have to kick out like is there a constant factor that has been here throughout all the eras that we're like hey we got to get rid of because at this point I do not understand John Bostic wasn't good enough to start on the Steelers. You know what the Steelers did? They upgraded their, all of their positions. They got Devin Bush. They traded for, what's his name, Joe Sherbert from the, yep, Joe uh, Jags, from the Jags? And we're still rocking out here with Cole Holcomb and John Bostic. Like, what do you expect? Of course it's missed assignments. It's the same damn players from last year. You're not, you didn't upgrade anything. It's just the same exact people from last year. Um, yeah, but DeAndre Carter, I think he's going to return a couple of uh of punts and kickoff returns this year for a touchdown he was able to get him a couple yards and it was huge and uh leading some drives other players that i was impressed with, eric flowers him moving down to guard is really life-changing for him because he wouldn't have been in the league and yep. i thought his run game was amazing i didn't remember him giving up too many and he had a tough assignment with jerry tillery and i don't remember too many pressure up in the face uh both Heineke and Fitzpatrick were stepping up into the pocket. Uh, let's look on defense.
1: I mean Holcomb, yeah, Holcomb had 11, but I mean that's a pepper 11, and you never want to see your starting safety with 10 tackles, 10 total tackles. But you can look at Cole Holcomb and 11 Holcomb tackles. was getting baked by Jared
0: Cook too. Yeah,
1: as I say, you can look at Holcomb's 11 tackles. You can take that however you will. I take it as I think it's time you have to play uh, uh, Landon Collins at a sub linebacker to get him off of uh, to get uh, Cole Holcomb off of tight end assignments. Or you better hope Jamie Davis just figures it out very quickly because it's going to be another issue. Because, I mean, and we mentioned it. I mean, we really did mention it. You can't have, as great as Cole Holcomb is, he is way better as a run first defender as your typical Sam. You need somebody to be that flex guy with a will. Other teams are moving towards that Isaiah Simmons type of role for guys where, yeah, he's technically a safety, but this guy has the size, speed, and talent to go cover tight ends, to be a, a force. If you're not going to use Landon Collins at safety because, I mean, he's Landon Collins, give him some linebacker looks. Put him in the box. I mean, don't put him in there and run situations. But, I mean, if you're going to play a nickel and you're only going to keep two linebackers out there and Jamie Davis isn't ready for some reason, for some reason, for coverage assignments, put Cole Holcomb out there with Landon. Do something. But I swear, if I see John Bostic out there again trying to cover somebody... It's just not gonna happen, bro. I might quit this team's fandom. I just, might just move on. I might just move. I don't. I don't know where I'm gonna move. I'm gonna just move on, bro.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad, honestly. Terry, great game. Logan, great game. William Jackson, me, I can't give you. Yeah, William Jackson, Gibby, I can't give you a great game because of the game essentially causing fumble. But besides that, they need to hit the drawing boards. And we were gonna do our preview for the Giants, but. We need her to decompress. We need to take a second. I also want to go watch some Chiefs-Browns because uh, we're literally recording. Well, I turned off the game with two minutes left. People were saying, hey, if we get to stop, like, once the two-minute warning hit, I started setting up my stuff for this podcast, getting yeah. my notes together. Um, so I want to go watch some Chiefs-Browns. Uh, By the time this is out, probably uh, we'll know the winner to that. And then we'll be back on Tuesday, sometime Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. We'll give our preview for the Giants, and we'll go from there. But from what was our prediction 10 11 wins
1: yeah something like that Uh, we 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 put them in that 10 to 12 range but we think we said 10 11 yeah
0: yeah so one of my oh I guess I was higher than you one of my 11 is already gone so that means I'm down to 10 wins now and if you were to ask me at this very moment what our record is going to be for the rest of the year I would say that hey let's not worry about not getting one of the top QBs in the draft because I think we may be in a position to get that. But that's going to do it for this podcast. Reactionary one. uh, One that we were able to get our feelings out, though. I feel better now. I don't know about you, Micah. I feel like I can now go about my day. I got all my takes out. It's watching the football
1: therapy, man. We got to talk this through so we don't go insane on Twitter or, you know, end up on some bad takes just spouting, you know, spewing stuff out. We got to do this, man. We got to... We should have been doing this for years now. You know what I'm saying? But we got we to gotta talk this out so we don't implode.
0: Yeah, we got, what, uh, 16 more of these? So. <laughs> Another one in four days. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be a fun season. But I do like uh, getting instant reaction from our pods. So we'll be back on the next episode. But for Mike and for Michael, we'll see you uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning to preview a Giants game. Peace. Peace out.